before we go and I open us up in a word of prayer, can we just all come together as a church? And can we just take this moment right now to invite the presence of God here in this place? And let's take a moment to ready our hearts to receive the word. Let's just continue to pray for one another. And also if you can pray for me as well. Can we just come together as a church and pray for each other and also for this service. Let's glorify the Lord together. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to invite your presence, God, here in this place. I ask, God, that you just help us to approach your throne with humility. Heavenly Father, have your way within me. Lord, let the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Let the words of my mouth may be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For God, you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Lord, we need you desperately here today. If your presence is not here with us, everything we do, God, is in vain, Father. Have your way within us. I know there's been many discouragements, but Lord God, we look to you for encouragement. We do not trust our feelings. We do not trust our emotions. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since it delights in him. Yet he brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, and the power of the dogs. Heavenly Father, I pray you strengthen us today. You will lead us to a place of humility, to a place where we are desperate and hungry for you, God. Help us to be hot for your presence, not to be cold away from your presence, O oh God, but to desperately seek after you. I pray, God, now as you transition to the message, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Father, may be pleasing in your sight. For Lord, you are our rock. And our Redeemer. Lord, we put, put aside every distraction, every hindrances, and we go on our knees to worship you and to praise you and to glorify the name, the name above all names, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And his name is Jesus Christ. And I pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Okay, we're going to continue on with our Authentic Christian uh, Christianity series. And the title of today's message is A King After God's Own Heart. A King After God's Own Heart. King David introduced. A few weeks back, there was a title that was called David Introduced, but now he is the King. King David introduce and the scripture today that i want to focus on is found in second samuel now chapter 2 verse 1 through 7 a king after god's own heart king david introduced now before i do the reading the title says david anointed king over judah starting with verse 1 it says this in the course of time david inquired of the lord Shall I go up to one of the towns of Judah? He asked. The Lord said, Go up, 
David asked, Where shall I go? To Hebron, the Lord answered. So David went up there with his two wives, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David also took the men who were with him, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. Verse 4, Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the men from Jabesh Gibeah who was buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul your master by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul your master is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. And the question that I want to ask is what made David so special? What made David a godly king? What made David a king after God's own heart? What made him set apart and different from King Saul, the previous, the first king of Israel? What made David so special and set apart? The scripture is very clear. Acts chapter 13, 1 Samuel chapter 13, Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And the writer here is Paul. A completely different generation of David comes much later. And Paul, he writes about David and he says, A man after my own heart, he says of David, King David, he will do everything I want him to do. And how many years did Saul rule? Forty years. You think right now is bad. Four years with the administration that we have. But imagine 40 years having someone rule for a kingdom and he was a bad king. King Saul was a terrible king. But later God brings about a young man, a shepherd boy, a faithful individual, a man with integrity, a man after my own heart. And he will do everything I want him to do. If there was a writing about us and our tombstone, a final message, this is pretty good, right? A man after my own heart, especially if God says that about you. How blessed David was, how amazing and how special, how set apart David was. 1 Samuel 13 says this, verse 13 to 14, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. And the origin of the word a man after my own heart comes from here. First Samuel chapter 13, where Samuel, he says of David, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him a ruler. And who is that individual? At this moment in time, it was a young shepherd boy named David. Finally, after all the tribulation and trials and hardship of being a fugitive and being a runaway fugitive, David finally, in 2 Samuel, he becomes the king that we just read here in chapter 2, verse one through seven. So again, the title, a king after God's own heart. King David introduced. Let's start with point number one. David, and you could write King David. King David, inquire of the Lord, his king. And what do I mean by his king? Yes, earth-wise, in worldly sense, David is the new king. 
but his true king was God, Yahweh himself. King David inquired of the Lord, his king, his true king, and his king, his God, is our God. Our God, the God that we worship, the songs that we sing, when we lift up our hands and worship him, when we pray to him in the middle of the night, when we're alone in our rooms, when we pray to God, it is our king, my God, Jesus Christ, is my king. King David inquired of the Lord, his king. So no matter how you get, how high you get in your position, or how low you become in your position, no matter what happens in your circumstances, listen to me carefully, no matter whatever you're going through right now, emotionally, spiritually, whatever you're feeling, how much money you have in the bank account, or the job that you want that you want to have but you don't have, or whatever you have, what you don't have, you must remember that our God is the true king and we must always inquire of the Lord, no matter how big we become. Remember, when David was a fugitive, what did he do? He inquired to God, of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 through 6, it reminds us, and we're not there yet, don't go there yet, I'm going to have it on the screen, but it reminds us that when he was a fugitive, that he inquired of the Lord. And what is the first thing that he does when he becomes king? It says he inquires of the Lord again. It says in verse 1, Going back to our main passage, 2 Samuel chapter 2, focusing on verse 1, it says, In the course of time, David inquired of the Lord. And you'll see a lot with David. Samuel inquires mediums, spiritists, other things, his own wisdom, his own mind, what he thinks he should do. He doesn't listen to God. He is not obedient to God. But David, you'll see him constantly, over and over and over and over again in his life. No matter how, how, he, how big and how high he becomes or how low he becomes, he's always inquiring of the Lord. And you want to know proof? Read the book of Psalms. All throughout the book of Psalms, you see David, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I need you. And I pray Psalm, opening prayer, every time. Because that's how powerful, how amazing David was in his reflection and in his meditation before God. It says, David, inquire of the Lord. Shall I go up to the one of the towns of Judah? He asked, the Lord said, go. And God spoke to him directly, go up. David asked, where shall I go? Where? To Hebron, the Lord answered. And the Lord gave direct answers and guidance to David because his heart was in line with God's heart. And we too can line ourselves and be close to the heart of God, to the true King, our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, if King David inquired of the Lord, how much shall we as Christians living in 2021 here today, thousands and thousands of years later, I mean, how arrogant have we become that whatever we do, we do it ourselves and then later we inquire of the Lord. But that's what Saul did. He would make decisions and later inquire of the Lord. But whatever we do in this life, we must inquire of the Lord. Inquire of the Lord for direction and for guidance every time, no matter what season we're in. Earlier I mentioned reference 1 Samuel chapter 23. And in this story, remember David, he is a fugitive. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, David was a fugitive. He inquired of the Lord. And now in 2 Samuel chapter 1, as a fresh king, he inquires of the Lord. And just to go back, let's just go ahead and refresh our memory. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1 through 6, it says, When David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Caleb and are looting the, thre and the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Caleb. But David's men said to him, Here in Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Caleb against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Caleb, for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Caleb 
fought the Philistines and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Now Beothar, son of Ahimelech, had brought the effort down with him when he fled to David at Keilah. Why is Abiathar important? Because he is the priest at that time. So whatever David did, it was not set apart away from God. He was set apart in who he was before God, but he always made sure that God was the center. Abiathar is important because he brought the effort that the priest wears and made sure that God led the way, not him leading the way. And God, you come later, fix my problem. But God, I need you right now before I'm about to make this decision. I need you in the center. I need your help, Lord. Help me, Lord. Inquire of the Lord. King David, inquire of the Lord. His king. So point A is this, and defeat, inquire of the Lord. So point B, in victories, inquire of the Lord. So in victory and in defeat, we must seek the Lord, seek his guidance. It's like the quote that I share, that I share with you, that I have on my home screen on my phone. It's an animation, a drawing, that when life knocks you down, you get up and turn back to God. And when life puts you in a higher position, knee down and turn back to God. Whether you're high or low, you turn back to God. You inquire of the Lord. You seek his help. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Amen? Amen. God, when you tell me to move, I will move. When you tell me to stay, I will stay. And until then, I will remain. I will stay where you want me to be. I will continue on. I need you right now. Some of us were in such a hurry to serve God and to worship God and, and we just want to move before God tells us to move. And that's a foolish thing for us to do. And we find that all throughout scripture that we must remain and be faithful where God has placed us in. Right? When we change churches, when we go to a different location, when we move to a next chapter in our lives, it is very important that you receive the blessing and then you're not leaving just for the sake of leaving to look for another church. You go knowing that this is where God is leading you and you receive the blessing and you go with the blessing as your foundation from your previous church. We stay faithful to God. Remain faithful. Stay where we are and be loyal and faithful to the Lord. No matter what, when he says move, we move. Until then, Lord, I will remain. It's found all throughout scriptures. One example is Mark chapter 5, one of my favorite stories, verse 1 through 20. It's a story of Jesus going to the other side, to the region of Gerasenes. Again, this is not a Jewish region. It's an enemy territory. People don't want to go there. The disciples, the moment they get there, they encounter a demon-possessed man, so strong, so powerful, even chains. He's like strong as Samson. No one could bind him. Do not curse me or torture me. And then Jesus says, come out of this man. Jesus asks, what is your name? He says, my name is Legion, for we are many. The evil spirits, the Legion spirits come out of this man and goes into 2,000 in number, it says, of pigs. And they go off a cliff and they all die. And everyone's like coming out from the town. They're like, what's going on? What is going on? All my pigs, what's happening? What's going on? We know that it's not a Jewish region because they raise pigs. Again, Jews, they forbid from eating pigs because they're dirty animals. And this man, finally, after all these years, we don't know how long he was in this position. Imagine you are in a place, a demon, lesion, so powerful, has binded you, and, and, and you have no control over yourself. And imagine, finally, you're set free. What would you do? Would you not follow the Messiah? Would you not say, Jesus, I want to become your disciple. I want to go where you want me to go. But what does Jesus tell him? Let's take a look. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you 
and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. And the words of Jesus, go home to your own people, meaning remain. I know you want to come. He begs Jesus, Jesus, let me get on that boat with you to go to the other side. But Jesus did not let him. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Back then, words travel fast. Rumors travel fast. They knew this man as a person who was demon-possessed, who was to be feared. But now his testimony is that Jesus, the Messiah, the true king, has saved me and rescued me. And then later we see in the story, not of the feeding of the 5,000, that comes first. If you read through the book of Mark, the feeding of the 5,000 comes first. That's the Jewish region. That's different. Later we see the feeding of the 4,000, which is a different region. It's the similar region of Gerasenes, Decapolis. It's, a, it's not a Jewish region. And we see a number, 4,000. That's just men that's re recorded, but it's double that because children, women. So all that amount of people, they came because they heard, maybe, I'm just speculating here, through the testimony of this one individual, they witnessed a miracle. They gathered in Mark 8 to see this miracle, who this teacher, this king is. That's why it's important. We go where God calls us to go. We stay when God tells us to stay. And we inquire of the Lord no matter what. In defeats, meaning in humble circumstances, inquire of the Lord. In victories, inquire of the Lord. And that's what King David did. That's what made him set apart. King David inquired of the Lord, his king. God, should I stay? Stay? Yes, I'll stay. Go? Yes, Lord, I will go. Where to? I will go. I will go where it is that you want me to go. Shall I? Where? Where should I go, God? When? Who? Follow God's timing. Amen? Not according to your own timing. Point number two is this. King David remained loyal to his men. King David remained loyal to his men. King David remained loyal to his men. Shaquille O'Neal, legendary basketball player, said this. He says, in quote, these celebrities, excuse my language, are going freaking crazy, and I don't want to be one. I denounce my celebrity-ness today. I'm done with it. I don't want to be in that category. Celebrities are crazy. They really are. Don't call me that anymore. These people are out of their freaking mind with how they treat people, what they do, what they say. That's never been me. I never want to be looked at like that. And respect and kudos to celebrities who people, quote unquote, who have made it, still sticking with his or her old friends. I'm not saying give handouts, be gracious to leeching family members. You somehow owe them to friends, and that's not healthy either. You draw a line, but be wise and know and remember who your faithful and loyal men were back then when you had nothing and who are faithful now. There's a quote that says, if you are absent during my struggle, don't expect to be present during my success. I mean, I think that's a little too cold, a little too much, but you understand the principle behind it. David, King David, remained loyal to his men. These men who were with him while he was a fugitive, when everyone else was pointing their fingers at him and people were misunderstanding him. They thought he was a criminal. When before they loved him, now they hate him. So people, they truly love you today and they hate you tomorrow. But those who remain on your side, those who are loyal on your side, don't forget these people, these men and women who are there with you in your struggle. Be faithful, be loyal as David remained loyal to his men. And we see in verse 2 to 4, what does it say? So David went up there with his two wives, Abinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. 
David also took who? The men who were with him. Who were these men who were with him? They were fugitives, runaways, hiding in the cave of Adullam, being loyal to David as David was loyal to them. And later we see out of these men come the three mighty men, the warriors who are these soldiers who follow David and are super loyal. And even Abiathar, we see, we see the loyalty of these men that follow David as they are loyal to David. David is loyal to them as well. And it says, David also took the men who were with him, each with his family. And they settled in Hebron and its towns. Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. Meaning as Christians, loyalty is key. Being faithful is key. And we see it all throughout scripture of godly men and women who remain faithful and loyal, and they are loyal individuals. You don't throw away those people, those individuals who are there with you when you're going through your most difficult time. No one gets left behind. No one gets left behind. And we see in the story of Genesis chapter 13, you know, Abraham, well, at this time, uh, he is Abram, right? Abram and Sarai. Later, they become Abraham and Sarah. So for the sake of that, I'll just say Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was a faithful and loyal individual, as was Sarah. But we see the complete opposite. There's another couple that were introduced. It's Lot and his wife. She doesn't even have a name because that's how insignificant she was. That's how much of a detrimental she was to the relationship, to Lot. It says Lot and his wife, in Genesis 13, they decide to separate from Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham gives the option to Lot, his nephew. Again, they didn't have a child, so nephew was like his son. That was his closest family member. Abraham is, again, full of humility. He tells Lot, Lot, why don't you go ahead and you choose. He allows Lot to choose which land that he wants to go. So Lot chooses in his greed. Abraham, in his humility, gives Lot the option to choose. Lot, in his greed, he chooses first. He says yes, and in his greed, he chooses a wicked location, the Bible tells us. And where is this wicked location? It's the region and the area of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's the plain of Jordan, and he heads east. That's where Sodom and Gomorrah is. If you know anything about Sodom and Gomorrah, it's a wicked city and eventually gets destroyed. So it says they part their ways. The Lord said to Abraham after Allah had parted from him, God even gives more. God tells Abraham, he says, look around from where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. How is that possible? They are old in their age. They don't have any children. How is that possible? Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tent. It says, then this is important. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Lot never did. It's never mentioned that Lot does. Him and his wife, they do not. They're full of greed, and they go after what their worldly lust desires want. But Abraham, on the other hand, he built an altar to the Lord. Complete opposite. Abraham is compassionate. He is loving. He is generous. Lot, he is full of greed. He doesn't want to share his land. He chooses first. So be careful when we eat, those who go and eat first. And they eat the last piece of uh, cake or mandu or whatever, dumpling. Be careful of those people. And I'm just joking. In his greed, he goes in and he chooses this wicked location. I'm sure he knew so of Sodom and Gomorrah, of the reputation. But he didn't care. He goes ahead and he goes in this direction. And then Genesis chapter 14, 
lot, he always finds himself in trouble. You know, people who find themselves in trouble, they always find themselves in trouble. They could be here in New Jersey, and then in Connecticut, it will follow them. When they cause drama, they cause drama. Wherever they go, they leave a path of destruction. And Lot and his wife, they were that type of couple. They get captured. Abram has to go rescue them. Abram is not even a warrior. He goes and he saves them. But even then, Lot and his wife, they don't learn. It says they go back. They continue on living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then we see in Genesis 18. I mean, Genesis is amazing. I want to encourage you to read it, read the story. Just know the story, the chronological order of just what happened. And Lot goes back to Sodom, a wicked place. And God appears to Abraham. And God warns Abraham that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's like, oh, no, that's where my nephew is, Lot. What am I going to do? So Abraham starts to plead with God. In Genesis 18, he says, He's like brave, right? He goes from 50. What about if there's 50 righteous? He knows there's no 50 righteous. Sodom and Gomorrah is a wicked city. And then he says 45. He goes 5, 5. And then, okay, 5, 45. He, he doesn't, it doesn't actually say 45. He says 5 less than 50. So he's testing God. Like he's scared and he's afraid. He's like maybe 5 less than 50, not 45. He could just say 45. But he says 5 less than 50, 45. And then he says, okay, what about 40? And he becomes more brave. He says, what about 30? 20, and then 10. That's the final number. But I, I believe if God still remained, because God says, okay, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go. But if he stayed, I think Abraham would have been like 10, 9, 8, 7, 2, 1, and then he would have went down to that direction. But, and then God says, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy, he says in Genesis 18. And then we see in the next chapter, Genesis 19, God goes and he destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. For not even ten righteous could be found. And what is my point here? Abraham remained loyal to his nephew Lot and his wife. But at the same time, there comes a point where you need to draw a line as well. Because Lot and his wife, they got to a place of no return. And they also became wicked as well. And they could not be rescued. Even if you pray hard for somebody, and if their heart is far away from God, in the end, again, salvation is an individual basis. It's up to you. And we can pray, we can pray, we can pray. But if that individual, if they do not turn to the Lord, and if they choose not to remain faithful, if they choose not to be loyal, it's not on you. But you, on the other hand, man and woman of God, be loyal as David was loyal, as Abraham was loyal. Be loyal. Be loyal to God. Be loyal to your fellow brothers and your sisters, those who are with you. God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah. with burning sulfur. And the whole city, everything gets destroyed. You know, what's amazing too is that in Genesis 19, also God, the angels, they go in and they test it out. They look and see. And even Lot was wicked, right? He even was willing to give his daughters away. These men, like men who had desire for men, they wanted to rape the guests. And these are angels of God. Just so much wickedness. I mean, it's ridiculous. Lots like, please don't do this to my guests. I can send you my virgin daughters. And again, wicked, wicked. And Lot, again, if you know the story of Lot, and I'm not here to focus on Lot, but the wife, she turns around. The angel says, don't turn around. She turns around. She rebels against God. She turns into a pillar of salt. Lot goes away, and he hides in the top of the mountain and the two daughters they go and they lose their husbands they're dead so these daughters what do they do it's incest they go ahead they get their father drunk and they get pregnant eventually I believe they become a Moabite which is where Ruth comes from that's the descendant and they become the enemies of God my point is Abraham is blessed and he is faithful and he's loyal to his men so again so point A 
wicked men cannot remain faithful. They cannot. So point B, wicked men cannot remain loyal. Lot was not loyal. He was not faithful at all. His wife was not faithful. His wife was not loyal. However, godly men can and will remain faithful. Letter D, godly men can and will remain loyal. Going back to point number two, David remained loyal to his men. It says in verse three, David also took the men who were with him, not just the men, but the family, children, each with his family, and they settled in Hebron and its towns. No one gets left behind. And lastly, point number three, King David was upright in his heart. King David was upright in his heart. Let's go to verse 4 through 7. From the main passage, it says this, Then the men of Judah came to Hebron, and there they anointed David king over the tribe of Judah. When David was told that it was the men from Jabesh Gilead who had buried Saul, he sent messengers to them to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness to Saul your master by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now then, be strong and brave, for Saul your master is dead, and the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. And then verse 11, when the people of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done, again, his men all ran away. They lost the battle. They all fled and they ran away. They were cowards. But Jabesh Gilead, they were brave. It says in verse 12, all their valiant men marched through the night to Beth Shen. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Beth Shen and went to Jabesh where they burned them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh and they fasted seven days. And that is the reference where David, he says here in verse 4 through 7, he says, he was told that it was from Jabesh Gibeah who had buried Saul. Verse 5, he sent messengers to them to say to them, The Lord bless you for showing this kindness. The reference to that is 1 Samuel chapter 31, what I just read, verse 8 through 13. To saw your master by burying him. May the Lord now show you kindness and faithfulness, and I too will show you the same favor because you have done this. Now that he said, be strong and brave, for Saul your master is dead. And the people of Judah have anointed me king over them. So what the story tells us, that David was upright in his heart. How was he upright? David was loyal in his oath. He was generous in his giving. He was compassionate in his heart. And he was just in his actions. Again, David was loyal in his oath, generous in his giving, compassionate in his heart, just in his actions. King David was loyal in his oath, generous in his giving, compassionate in his heart, just in his actions, as we see here in reference to verse 4 through 7. 
How was David loyal in his oath? How was David a man of his word? Because David honors his promise to those who are dead. David's word was his bond. And the question that I want to ask you is, who will come to your funeral? And I say that that's important because when you're dead, you have nothing back to offer the people who are alive. When you're dead, you're done. It's finished. Who will come to your funeral when you have nothing to give back to them? Who will honor you in your death? Who will honor you? I went to a funeral a few years back of this pastor that I knew. At one point, the church was great. It was big, a lot of people. People were full of joy. And, and what happened was, it's, it's a very unfortunate story where he left the church, the church split. He started his own church, and then there was another person who took control, convinced everyone that he was a slave of sin. And the people that left with him, they turned their backs against him. He had cancer at an old age, and he passed away. And this person who took over the church convinced everyone that he was still a slave, a serpent of Satan, and convinced everyone not to go to the funeral. So when I went to the funeral, again, I went to the funeral out of respect. No matter what happened, it's a funeral, uh, just to show my respect. And when I noticed that the people who went with him were supposedly to be loyal with him. It really was an eye-opener to me. I mean, people would tell me, I don't think they're going to go. They said, don't go. And I'm hearing stories like, don't go. They're not going to go. I'm like, no, they'll go. They, they were there with him. I mean, they were with him for many years. How could they not go? And when I went, they really didn't go. And made me realize the truth, that people will love you today, and they will hate you tomorrow. And what we see here, that David, on the other hand, he was a man of his oath. He honors his promises, even those who are dead. David's word was his bond. And he kept his promises even when Saul was long gone and Jonathan was long gone. And the reference here is 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 21 to 22. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. Remember, this is the story where David was about to kill. I mean, he could have killed, but he chooses not to. And Saul, he realizes this. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established into your hands. This is Saul speaking to David. He knows that David is going to become king. And then verse 21 says, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants, or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home, but David and his men went out to the stronghold. David and his vengeance could have wiped up Saul from the memory, from the history of Israel, but he keeps his promise. What was the promise? The promise that Saul asked Swear to me by the Lord that you will not kill off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. It says David gave his oath to Saul. And he keeps his word. He keeps his promise. Even when Saul is long gone. And in 2 Samuel 9, verse 1 through 13, we see the story, and we're going to get to this story in the future where David, he is looking around, right? He's searching for anyone that is close, closely related to Saul and his family. And in this story, it says, David and Mephibosheth, 
David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? I'm sure he's not just thinking about Saul's promise, but he's also remembering his dear friend Jonathan, right? Jonathan loved him, and David loved Jonathan. And then he says, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household, named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the household, from house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Emil. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. When he was asked where he was, he is at the house of Machir, son of Emil, in Lodabar, and we see that he was lame in both feet, son of Jonathan, his best friend. I mean, I think this is amazing. Like, David, not everyone's like this. You know that, right? Nobody keeps their word. Nobody keeps their promises. Not when you have nothing to get, have anything in return. David, he was loyal in his oath generous in his giving, compassionate in his heart, just in his actions. Again, King David was loyal in his oath, generous in his giving, compassionate in his heart, and just in his actions. And we see the compassionate heart of David throughout all scripture. We see the just in his actions throughout all the scriptures of the story of David. When David has to bring justice and he has to bring discipline, he is quick to do so. When he's, when he's called to bring justice and also grace and mercy, he is quick to do so. King David was an amazing man of God was an amazing king of God. And what can we learn from this story? How do we apply this to our lives here today? Well, let's take a look at the title. A king after God's own heart, King David introduced. What did I say about David? The foundation of David was that what? He was a man after God's own heart. That's the key. And he will do everything that God tells him to do. 
You have to be a man and woman after God's own heart. Your heart must break for what breaks God's heart. And you must obey what God tells you to do. Obedience is key. Mercy is better than sacrifice. It's better than sacrifice. It's about love and being obedient to God. And then we learn that money isn't what changes you. Money reveals what we have. Status, popularity, it reveals who we are, who we were before. King David was always the same. When he was a shepherd boy and to who he is now as a king. And as a king, King David inquired of the Lord, his king, our king, my king, my God. And defeats inquire of the Lord and victories inquire of the Lord. Number two, David remained loyal to his men. Your excuse may be, why should I be loyal when others are not? Well, that's on them. But as men and women of God remain loyal to God first and foremost, and we don't forget those who walk with us through tribulation and through trials. They become your band of brothers and sisters. And we finish this journey together. No one gets left behind. David also took the men who were with him. David could have been like, all right, forget you. You were there for me. Now I'm going off with my own family. Bye-bye. But he took the men who were with him and gave them dignity, gave them a place in his army. When he was a fugitive, he was faithful to them. When he was a king, he was faithful, even more faithful to them. David's heart was generous. So even if he had little, he was generous with little that he had, which was everything, right? When he had a lot, he was generous, even with that. So God blesses those who have a generous heart, who are loyal. David remained loyal to his men. Remember, wicked men cannot remain faithful. Wicked men cannot remain loyal. However, godly men can and will remain faithful. Godly men can and will remain loyal. And lastly, point number three, David was upright in his heart. We learned it from the story in verse four through seven. Why he kept his promises, right? He was generous to Jabesh Gilead. He was generous to those who were faithful. And he kept his word. King David was loyal in his oath, generous in his giving, compassionate in his heart, just in his actions. What I've been learning through giving messages is this over many years now, is that I'm not interested in doing an emotional talk. Maybe in the past when I was younger, in my 20s, where you go to retreats, you give a message where and people cry, they get emotional, and they get touched in their heart. But I realized those things really don't matter. It really doesn't keep, it's not everlasting. It doesn't keep you in your faith in God. Anything emotional has no substance. I'm not saying emotions aren't important, but what I care about is your attitude and your fortitude and your study of the word and your faith and your prayer life before God. Maturity is like anything. You know, in the beginning, relationships are all about feelings and emotions. Okay, that's good. But later, it needs to mature. And you need to be ready for the solid food. And I want to encourage you today, continue on reading the Bible, come to Thursday Scripture Study, and let's keep each other accountable. And let's be faithful in our study in the Word before God, together as a church. Amen? Amen. So I want to encourage you today. I want to leave you today with this message of King David, of who King David was, who was he before. You learn about him being a shepherd boy, what kind of man he was, what kind of boy he was. We heard of his amazing story of him defeating Goliath and him being a fugitive and running away. 
meaning as Christian men and women of God, we too will find ourselves in a place where spears are being thrown at us, where we are misunderstood. You go through trials and tribulation. People may accuse you when you're standing upright before God. Even at work, even in your school, or anything in life, arrows will come. But don't be discouraged, because at the end, God's promise will come to its fulfillment. And the promise is that you are a child of God. God loves you. And no matter what we are going through right now as a church, whatever things that we lack here in this place, we know that God fills us and he gives us more than we can ever need as we have this visual, tangible place that we have here today. So let's not forget of God's promise and how good God is to us. And let's remember our history, where we came from, where we are now. And if other members and if members, people whom we were close to once and they go in their own way, let it be. Let it go. But you bless them. At the end, you keep yourself in check. You keep your faith. You keep your loyalty before God and be faithful and be a generous and a compassionate individual. You stay faithful to the Lord and God will provide everything that we need in order for us to do his amazing and his godly work. Amen? Amen. So with that, I want to invite the praise team to come up. Let's all stand to our feet together. I want to sing... Uh, Until the Lord returns, I will walk this path to follow him until my Jesus returns. Let's remember the journey that David took, that King David took. Again, King David is an amazing man of God, and that's someone that we should always try to emulate and follow and try to always pray for the heart, that we have the same heart as David did, that we'll be man and woman of God, who seek and who pursues after God's own heart. And therefore, we become the apple of God's eyes. So as we sing this song, let's really reflect upon our past, that I will walk this path right now, God, that you have placed me in, to follow you until the final day. Not until when I choose to say when it is done, but until my Jesus returns. That is, we leave our future to God, the one who is in control. This narrow gate, this narrow road, I will carry up my cross. In the end, I'll see him face to face. We talked about how powerful that phrase is seeing God face to face we cannot see the glory of God and survive because of his holiness because of his power but now through his son Jesus Christ through the cross of Jesus Christ we are able to see him and pray to him face to face when I finish my race he'll greet me in his arms to welcome me in his glory Amen. Let's sing together. I will walk this path to follow him.
Lord, as David did, may we inquire of the Lord, our King. And may we remain loyal to our fellow neighbors. And God, may we be upright in our heart before you, God. May we be loyal in our oath. May we be generous in our giving. May we be compassionate in our hearts and to be just in our actions. Lord, we need you so much today. Uh, We are mere but peanuts compared to these amazing men and women of God in the Bible. But Lord, we serve the same God, the same God that was faithful to these titans in the Bible, in the scriptures that we read about these amazing heroes of the faith. Lord, you are the God of our faith as well. Help us not to live as victims, but to be victors in our faith, in our relationship, in our walk with you, day-to-day relationship with you. May we walk this journey well in faith and by faith, but before the cross and standing and humble and bow down before your holy presence and lifting up our voices and our hands to worship you in spirit and in truth. May we walk this path and to follow you and to walk and to enter the narrow gate and this narrow go this narrow road as we carry up the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we need you today more than yesterday. We are hungry and we are desperate for you. Lord, protect us and guide us for the remaining of our service through the fellowship and through us going home for traveling mercies. And also as we enter a new week, oh God, I pray for a victorious mindset, for a victorious spirit, that we would be victorious in all that we do through Christ who strengthens us. We love you, we thank you. We pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. 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 Let us pray. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for this Sunday, for giving us this new day, and for blessing us with this space and with the message delivered to us through Reverend Andrew this morning. Lord, just like King David, we choose to turn to you no matter what our current circumstances are and no matter where we are in our lives. Rather than rely on ourselves, we seek after you and desire your direction and guidance in all things. Whether we face victory or defeat, We will inquire of you and put our utmost trust in you and in your timing. As godly men and women, we yearn to be faithful and loyal to one another. And so we pray for the wisdom to recognize the faithful people that you have placed in our lives and for the humility to remain loyal to them as well. In our walk with you, may our hearts remain compassionate, obedient, and upright before you so that our every thought, desire, and action would honor you and be pleasing to you. At this time, we lift this offering up to you, thankful for all that you have done for us, and pray it will be used to further your works and to bring glory to your name. Please continue to watch over each of our members and protect them and their families this week. We love you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.